and welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to A Court of Three Strands, the podcast by the Palatine Institute on Creating Christian Culture. Today, we are recording episode 11 of season six. We have been getting our way through the Ten Commandments, and we're at the end today. We're at the end. We've made it. Yes. To freak everyone out, there are 11 episodes this season. I know. Every time I start to introduce this, I have to like do a double take, make sure I'm on the straight and narrow. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this at length, like how do we do 10 commandments in 10 episodes, which seems like a no brainer, but we had to do some sort of introduction. We needed it. We needed it. It's okay. And today we're going to have a tack on a little bit at the end. Some good news. Yes. Everybody. (laughs) So all of you who feel very guilty after listening to this, there's good news at the end here. Yeah. So do not covet. Yeah. That's what we're talking about today. That's right. So again, like the others, we're going to, we're going to go into the smaller catechism in our lead up to this. Alice and I were talking about the fact that the larger catechism, the smaller catechism are virtually identical. There's not a lot extra yeah. in the larger. So we'll just, we'll talk a lot. Yeah. How's that sound? Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, I guess there's not a lot of ways in which to covet differently. <laughs> Something. Yeah, right? It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Question 79, Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the 10th commandment? The 10th commandment is, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. All right. There you go. So what is required in the 10th commandment? The 10th commandment requireth full contentment with our own condition, with a right and charitable frame of spirit toward our neighbor and all that is his. All right. That's easy. That's easy, right? (laughs) Uh, Contentment with our own condition. Yep. Uh, With a right and charitable frame of spirit. Like every morning I wake up that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have to sort of reset ourselves every morning. So, So this is an interesting, an interesting thing here in that usually when we look at the sins, especially the starting from the, you know, in the 10 commandments, it's really about doing things. Like there's some sort of thing that you're doing or action that you do to your neighbor or you don't do to your neighbor. And now we get to this one and it's not about this external action. Right. It's about your heart. Yes. So it's, it's this internal thing. In other words, we can seem 
righteous, mm-hmm. but our hearts can give us away. Yeah. So by the very act of just coveting. Wanting something that's not ours. Yeah. Yep. And the basis for this is, ready? Everything's a gift from God. Right. So if I'm not content, it's like a lack of faith, right? God is God is sovereign. He's given me my health, my state, my gifts, my life. Yes. And I've participated, obviously, in all this. And if I'm not fully content with this, um, with my condition, I'm sinning. I'm not being grateful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was going to say it has a lot to do with thankfulness. Yes. And it seems to sort of allude to this posture of humility as a creature yeah, and just thankfulness for whatever the creator has yeah. given you as an individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so of all the commandments, yes, this is probably the hardest because many of the other things, like why would we why would we um, bear false witness? Well, perhaps it's because I am not content with my mm. circumstance and I am envious of my neighbors, right? And so because of my covetousness of their position, I want to bring them down. Mm. Or why would I steal? Why would I... Right. right. Yep. So this is really a, a big commandment. Mm-hmm. Think of this, and, and this might be a good one for all of us to, to contemplate just a second. Imagine a time when you are just, you are content and you are just grateful for the life you have. How are you going to sin? Right. At what, what point? Temptation has a lawless power. Yeah. Right. If I'm content, I love my wife, I love my family, I love... You know, I'm I'm just grateful for it all. I'm probably not going to seek out to throw it all away mm-hmm. by committing adultery or by stealing or by lying or by you know any of these other commandments that we've talked about. Yeah. So it's it's at the the root of it all. Mm-hmm. I've heard it said. Maybe I read this in a book recently. I think I did that. This commandment sort of sets um, the Hebrew law apart from other ancient law because of that heart nature of the command yes i think that that's interesting yeah it is it but there's this weird thing too okay as christians remember we are talking about the westminster confession of faith is a christian take on the ten commandments because we have the new covenant we have the new testament we have the teachings of jesus the jews did not have that right so Recently, I, I saw Dennis Prager, who's um, from Prager U, a Jewish man, in conversation with Jordan Peterson, who's a psychologist. And can I say on the verge of becoming a Christian? I don't know. It just seems, seems like that way. Close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've been going through the Torah, I think, together and Genesis primarily. But Dennis Prager was saying something about the Jewish law had to do with action right? That they're, they don't have like, because they, they're talking about pornography mm. and that the Jews do not have a, a part of their moral code that says lusting is a sin, mm. right? So, yeah, you know, so they look at someone and this desire comes up as if they don't act on it, then they did not sin. Uh-huh. 
But Jesus said, right. even if you look at someone in order to lust for them, you've committed adultery in your heart, right? You've, yeah. you've, this is sin. And so when we look at the Ten Commandments here and the covetousness, we're looking at it through the lens of the New Testament. Yeah, I can see that. So, is, yep. so what I would say is that although this does probably does set it apart from other ancient law codes, really the gospel of Jesus Christ sets mm-hmm. Christian morality apart from everything. Right. Because really it's all a matter of the heart, which is what we've been talking about this whole season. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's our human nature. Our our flesh has fallen, and so our desires are evil. Mm-hmm. And so, if our evil desires carry out, I mean, even just having the evil desire is sin, right? Right, and they, and this becomes a, a. This is what makes it very difficult, I think, to have conversations with non Christians, and particularly when it comes to our day and age, talking about issues of sexuality. Mm. Right, it's not just doing the act of sin that is sin it's having the desire to do a sinful act Mm -hmm. that is sin Mm -hmm. and so in many denominations right now and that you know there's like well how do we how do we talk about same-sex attraction right so the pca Presbyterian church in america i mean that's kind of the conclusion we we don't talk about sexual attraction as being right yep because that in itself is same-sex attraction is not God's will. Mm-hmm. It's not how God made it. It's it in itself is sin. Yeah, it's a perversion. It is a perversion, just like heterosexual lust is sin, right? So we don't, I, we can't identify in our sin. Right. I can't say that I'm a an adulterous Christian. Right. And the same drunk, drunk Christian, or a, a drunk Christian, or a Angry Christian. A thieving Christian or an angry Christian or a, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And therefore, we don't say that someone's a gay Christian. Right. So it's, it is that internal thing. And this is because we have the teachings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Who even says, even if you lust after someone in your heart, that that is sin. Like that is sin. Yeah. Can we take a little side tangent? Sure. Uh, Let's take a side tangent. Okay. And it's related. Could you talk a little bit about the delineation between temptation yes. and desire? Sure. Because I think that's important because temptation is not sin. Right. Correct. But desires yes. can be. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, in James, it talks about that sin happens when we are tempted by our own desires, sinful desires. Sinful desires. Yeah. Actually, uh, let me correct you. The NIV throws in that word evil desire. Okay. It's not there in the, in the Greek. Interesting. It's our desire. It's probably better. Yeah. Temptation comes from our own desires, yeah. right? So it implies our desires are yeah. generally evil. Since I, I know. And since we, we brought this up in the context of sex earlier, the idea is, is that God has given us the desire for sexual relations if he didn't give us that desire, we wouldn't reproduce. We wouldn't have it. So it's a good desire. Mm-hmm. The problem is in our fallenness, that desire is for things that aren't properly yes. belonging to what we ought to do. Yeah. And so what Satan does is he tempts us in those areas mm-hmm. to think about it, to use your imaginations, 
and then tempted to fulfill those desires. Okay, so now here's a pastoral part to this, Allison. The hard part is to hear the fact that our, our desires have been affected by the fall and we, we can have sinful des- Our desire, our natural God-given desire can be sinful. Yes. And the way a lot of times in liturgical churches, you hear the, the phrase uh, in our confession, in thought, word, and deed, daily, we have sinned against God, mm-hmm. right? And if we think about it long enough about that, it's true. Yeah. Like it's, it is true. We sin constantly. Yep. Um, because we're, we're fallen. Mm-hmm. Now, there have been times in my life and probably in your life and the life of other believers where their desires, their sinful desires have got, and Satan is using them and tempting them then to go on to further sin. Uh-huh. And then they overcome that temptation. In other words, it is true their contemplation of those things, they're allowing themselves to be carried on by their desire is sinful, but they overcome and they don't do the thing. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So pastorally, we want to be able to say, you know, good job, that is a victory. Yes. Right? And we want to be able to celebrate those victories. Like I, I'm a weak man and I've given in to these temptations, but now I have been led into those temptations, but I didn't act on them. Act on them. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Right. Yep. And that's a good thing. And then, you know, we should get a pat on the back. We should be in, there should be a hearty amen and a thanks to God that, you know, you were safe. And this is good and we should do that and we should celebrate it. But if we don't also say, Hey, listen, the very desires that came out that you began to get tempted by are also in itself evil. Mm-hmm. Um, we could then somehow think of ourselves as being pretty righteous because though we've harbored it in our heart, we didn't act out on it. Right. And what Jesus is telling us is like, no, no. Your desires that also is, have to that's sin. be put to death. They need to be put to mortified. Yeah. And so th- this is, we, we tell new members at our church uh, often as elders and we, we go through these different series of questions about our Christian life and sin. When most of us come to the Lord at first, we acknowledge our sin. We know our sin. We confess them and, you know, we're forgiven and justified. But there's a lot of, we need sanctified big time. Mm-hmm. So we've been justified by his grace. We're going to be just sanctified by that same grace. And what happens is over time, we gain victories over those temptations. Mm-hmm. It seems like we're more righteous because we're not sinning overtly as we used to. Yeah. But in God's mercy, yeah, he doesn't quite show us the depth of our sin all at once. Right. So in the Christian life, what happens is, is that we sin overtly or outwardly less but we often become more and more aware of our inward sin. Yeah. And so I'm 56. I'm probably more aware of my sinfulness now than when I was 20 thinking I was a pretty righteous dude. Yeah. Yep. I would say that's been my experience too. Yeah. I think it's everyone's. Yeah. But there tends to be, I think, a point in a believer's life where it can't be enough just to avoid temptation. Yeah. Right. That, that there has to be a point where 
you have to desire God in the inward parts, as the psalmist says. Yeah. Where you have to allow him into your, to, to do his work in your heart, in your mm-hmm. depths of him, because you're a sinner. Yeah. You are. And and the motivation, we you begin to understand your own motivations. Yeah. And your, your motivations aren't great. So here's one of my, I guess my plea here to go to a, a gracious church. <laughs> and, and that's this. So I grew up and went to a Wesleyan holiness school. Okay. And the idea of Wesleyan holiness is that you can attain some sort of Christian perfection, mm. right? That you can, in this life, you can come to a point where you're not sitting intentionally. There's no, right? So the progression of sanctification then the goal in mind is to not sin. Yes. So what happens in those places where that's the main idea is that you end up avoiding places and people that might cause you to sin. And people hide. And you hide. Yeah. And what happens is you end up finding a group of people that are just like you mm-hmm. and you can enjoy their company and you you could think of yourself as being a really holy person. Mm-hmm. The, the trouble is, is because they're just like you and you're avoiding the things of the world, you're simply loving yourself. Right. Right. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm loving neighbors who are like me and therefore I'm loving right. myself. Yeah. And, and then you can think of yourself as being pretty good, pretty good or righteous. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then what can happen is you can be put into a situation that you're not used to you you're and then you you blow it yeah right and then or you you become um you know the popular parlance could be a uh, uh, somewhat like a karen you're you're you you will not you are so anxious of defending your own righteousness that you come across as a jerk mm-hmm. like i'm i am right i am just you know there's, there's no, there's no ambiguity here, right? I am righteous. And because they've accused me of something wrong, they must be lying. Yes. Okay. Now you're in this big, do, do you know what I mean? It's yes, just this, rather than going in, in a reformed setting, which, um, Jacob's well, PCA church reform setting. Here's, here's what we hear constantly. We're all sinners. And, and we sin in thought, word, and deed daily. Thanks be to God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ covers our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. And and so the, the the aim and the goal of our sanctification is just union with Christ. It's to be with him and to be found in him because he's our righteousness, not me. Right. I can't, I'm not righteous. He is. And so so what I I need to do is constantly be aware of my own sinfulness. And so when someone says, Ron, you blew it, my response is, ought to be. It's not always, I'll be honest with you, Allison. But ought to be, yeah, I can see me doing that. I probably did. I probably did it. Yeah. If, if, if I came across as a jerk, it's probably because I was a jerk and I'm, I apologize. I'm sorry. I Forgive me. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Which happens, right? I don't, if I don't, I am limited in how I see what's going on. Right. 
But I, I think I, I, I mentioned this in one of our podcasts where one time our pastor preached on that idea of, you know, when you leave something at the altar and you know someone has something against you or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, after, after the service, a woman came up to me and, and just said, hey, do you know I've been mad at you for like six months? And like, I had no idea. I had no idea. But my, my response to that was, well, no, you're wrong. I didn't do anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. My response was, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I, yeah. Tell me what I did. I'm I so sorry. I did. I probably did it. Yeah. Right. You know, right. I don't. Um, and, and this, and this is, this we need to understand is, is that our, our, our relationship with God, our salvation itself has nothing to do with our righteousness. Zero. Right. There's nothing that I've done to be saved. I did nothing. I'm a sinner and I deserve condemnation. I deserve hell. It's Jesus. Jesus was a sacrifice for our sin. Jesus saved me. It's all Jesus. He's my righteousness. I rest in him. And, and so guess what? I, I don't try to sin. In fact, I'm going to try not to sin because I have some awareness of it. But the reality is, is that, um, my pursuit is not in my own sinlessness. My pursuit is in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to be okay with sin. Not, that sounds horrible. It'll sin sinners, I should say. Yeah. And it's a, it's a safe circumstance to be in, to be found a sinner. Yes. Right. Because we all are, and there is a solution to that problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's a, a part and okay, this is, I'm going to talk about parents now to parents, please. And that is as adults, we can be very, very good in trying to hide our own sin from our own children and, and from the adults in church trying to, because we want our children to know the commandments of God. We want them to live accordingly. We want to discipline them when they do wrong and yeah, right. But yep. and this is all good. It's all good. But at some point when they're kind of that pre-teenage, I think, and, you know, 12, 13 or something, they should start being let in on the fact that we're sinners. Yeah. We're all sinners. And, and, um, and to tell them stories. Oh yeah. You know, when I was your age, I did this and this is how it negatively affected me. And I, I don't want you to do that. This is why God tells us don't do this. Yep. And then. And then for them to understand and welcome within the church, like, look, everyone here, we're all sinners. We're all in the same in the same boat. Yeah. And and to be able to share freely the fact that we've sinned. Mm -hmm. And not to hide it like we're somehow ashamed of God's grace. Right. Right. Yeah. So in one situation, I'll just bring up maybe some churches that I'd been in growing up, right? If someone were to come up and say, hey, I, I blew it, I, I sinned, you, you know, you might get, feel like you're going to get shot. People are going to be shocked and they're going to shun you mm -hmm. rather than, than go, oh, yeah, well, let me tell you this time I blew it. Right. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Right. That this is we're all sinners and we're all in the same boat and Jesus saved us. 
not because we're righteous, but because we're sinners. Yep. And he loves us. And, the, and that's, that's the, that, that's the, the big, th- so don't pretend like this commandment, don't covet it. It strikes to the fact that we, our hearts are wicked mm-hmm. and, um, and our, our salvation is in, in, in Christ. One other thing I want to add to that, Ron, as a parent, yes. kind of in the trenches is, um, and I'm, I have not, I've not arrived in this, but like not having surprise when my children sin. Yes. Is also helpful. Yes. Right. Like, like, um, treating them like somewhat empathetically, you know, like, Hey, you know, yeah. we're all in it together. You did what? Exactly. I can't believe you would do so. Exactly. It's more like, so, Oh yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> right. Or like, I mean, you don't not discipline, but like to sort of, even for my own heart attitude to not, to not be, not expect uh, perfection and not be surprised that they're sinners. Yes. And, and so my, I, I, you know, I've told my kids some of the stories of my sin and my life, you know, and, and it's, um, and part of that is so they can, they know that God's grace is great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, it's like, I, I, I tell the story and I know I shared this in, in one of the podcasts, but. I always share the story with young kids at Providence Academy about how I peed my pants in the fifth grade, right? And the, the reason is because there's always going to be someone who pees their pants way bef- way after, <laughs> way after they ought to, right? Yeah. So like- It's so generous. Yeah. So in the, in the you know, we, I, I've got together with friends from, you know, grammar school, elementary school, you know, and, and you know, you go through the picture and then, oh, and here's this, here's Aaron. Uh, what's his name? You know, Aaron. Oh, I just remember as that kid who peed in second grade, right? You know, peed his pants and like they're just they're sitting on the floor in this urine pit. You could still picture it, right? And everyone like it's so embarrassing, right? And, so, yeah. and everyone, but you know what? When when the the students at Providence here are like, oh yeah, but Mr. Young peed his pants in fifth grade, right? You know, it's it's no big deal. It's no big deal. So when we when we talk about the fact that we're sinners. We're not trying to say that sin's no big deal, but that that it is okay for the for our children to be able to come clean and say, I I blew it. I yeah. sinned and 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 I and it was bad. Yeah. And in, and it's an opportunity to invite them to yes. Jesus Christ. And and I'll tell you, and I when our children grow up knowing when they blow it. They can confess their sins and they've been forgiven, not only by God, but by their parents and their, their siblings. Right. And that becomes a natural part of their life. Like they just know that this is true because this is what they've experienced all their life. You know how much guilt and anxiety they're going to miss out on, right? Go to the typical senior in high school right now who, who doesn't know that. Mm Mm-hmm. And their life is just filled with guilt, anxiety about the future and all sorts of stuff because they don't know the process of reconciliation. Yeah. Or that you can admit your fault. Yeah. Without being shunned or canceled, canceled or yeah. what have you. It's, yeah. it's, it's huge. All right. So I'm going to get us back on. I know that was kind of a long. That's chapter. okay. Sorry. Um, question uh, 81. What is forbidden in the 10th commandment? 
The 10th commandment forbiddeth all discontentment with our own estate, envying or grieving at the good of our neighbor and all inordinate emotions and affections to anything that is his. Yeah. I, so let, let me break this, let's break this down a little bit. So yeah. we, we talked already about discontentment, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 and, the, and this is, this is a big problem in our world, discontentment, mm-hmm. right? Because the, the whole, our whole system our whole economy is based upon people not being satisfied with what they have and spending money to buy this better thing and they'll get you to feel bad about it. Right. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, and that's horrible. Right. Um, it's even worse when you actually internalize it and believe it. Mm. Um, you know, you, and then you look at all social media and how much that is all made to make it look like you have the perfect life. And so everyone else envies you. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't work. And then, and then it comes out in all sorts of ways about being discontent and there's overt ways that you're discontent of, of complaining or, or things, or there's, there's subtle ways you can be discontent to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, make your friend or your spouse feel bad or guilty or, you know, there's, it's just, it's just not good. Yeah. So the, the best way to deal with that is get in the habit of being thankful. Right. Um, I, I read, I remember reading in the nineties, uh, there was an author named Marva Dawn. I don't remember <laughs> Marva Dawn, um, reaching out without dumbing down was one of her great books that I remember reading mm. anyway, talking about, um, just kind of going against the seeker sensitive path that the church was heading on. Yeah. But anyway, she, she talks about this, this um, habit, a Jewish habit of giving a hundred, um, you know, thanks be to God, right? And a day, like that you count, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you just make this a habit of saying it a, a hundred times a day, hundred times a day mm-hmm. where you, where something's going on and you, right. You're salting your eggs in the morning. You just are real realizing I, I love salt on my eggs. And you just spend a little time. Thank, thank you, God, for making salt mm. that makes my egg taste so good. And you start getting in this habit of of just giving thanks to God for everything. And, and guess what happens? You become content, content, right? But it's a habit, mm. right? So we, you know, to, to get in. So that's one of the things. And then it says, um, um, you know, envying and grieving at the good of our neighbor. That's that's always poor form. <laughs> when, you, when you go, oh, yeah, great. My, yeah. You know, this good thing happened to my neighbor. How come it doesn't happen to us? Right. You know, that's, that's not a good, no. good place to go. No. And then, um, and then here's the other part all inordinate motions and affections to anything um, that is your neighbor's. Right. And, um, and that, and that can become a, a problem too. Like you just, you know, you're looking at magazines or people, you know, people obsess over stars or your homes or yeah. your friend's car or vacation or whatever it is. And all the, that inordinate affection towards anything that doesn't belong to you is just, it's just bad for your soul. Yeah. So don't do it. I know. Discontentment is miserable. It is. There's nothing pleasant about it. No, there is not. Yeah. No, there's not. 
And it's a waste of time. It's just a waste of time in life. Yeah. Like there's so much good in life. There's so much that you can do yep. and enjoy. And if you're spending your time just grumping about the stuff you don't, you look like a little kid. Right. You know, who pouts in the corner because they didn't get their a popsicle like their neighbor did or, you know, whatever. It's yeah. like, and then we grow up and we're the same people. And you, just you just miss out on so much beauty and goodness. Yeah. yeah. Be grateful. Yeah. Be happy for other people's successes and other, right? It's yeah. just, it's just a, a, a good thing. All right. I, let's finish this, the, our series on the 10 commandments. And we kind of already went into this with, with our little side note, but the, these last few questions are good for us to understand or to, to know. Yep. Question 82. Is any man able perfectly to keep the commandments of God? No mere man since the fall is able in this life perfectly to keep the commandments of God both daily, uh, but doth daily break them in thought, word, and deed. Yeah. I mean, we covered that. It's true. Yep. Since the fall, no one is able to, in this life, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 83, are all transgressions of the law equally heinous? Some sins in themselves and by reason of several aggra- aggravations are more heinous in the sight of God than others. Yeah. So, for instance, if, I'm, if, if I do covet my neighbor's car, that's sin and it's bad and I justly deserve condemnation for it. But, you know, it's even worse if I go over and break into his car and steal it. Mm-hmm. It's a little more heinous. Mm-hmm. Um, to lust after someone that's bad, but to act on it, mm-hmm. that's more heinous. Mm-hmm. Um, to be angry at my brother, Jesus likens to murder is bad, but actually murdering the other person is more heinous. It's worse. It is worse. Okay. Yeah. Now, now that we got that out of the way, yeah, some sins are worse than others. Question eight four: What does every sin deserve every sin deserveth god's wrath and curse both in this life and that which is to come so even if you're not committing grievous sins you're only committing those other less grievous sins Mm -hmm. every sin even the less grievous one deserves the same thing yep which is god's wrath yep um 85 what does God require of us that we may escape his wrath and curse due to us for sin? To escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requireth of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicateth to us the benefits of redemption. Yes. So we're leaving on that answer. Because da, 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 our next season, um, which will only be 10 and not, not 11, it'll be 10. Um, we're going to talk a bit about this idea of the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. Mm-hmm. So we're going we're gonna to talk about spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. and um, the ordinary means of grace and then, and how it really, it's about this. Well, what is, what is life? What is this life that he saves us unto? Mm-hmm. Right. If we're, um, if in our sin we're dead in our trespasses and sin, but we're raised to new life in Christ, right? By this faith and this re- repentance and things, um, there's this life. What is, 
what is that life and how do we live in that life? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're going to discuss next season. Yeah. So I'm it, excited for that. Yeah, it should be. It should be good. It's going to be good. Yeah. And it'll be, um, I look forward to it too. Yep. So, all right. Till next time. Yep. Thank you for listening. 